Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to the Strong AF X Well Conditioned Show with your host, Jason Brown, where each week Jason teaches you how to get yourself and your clients brutally strong and, of course, well conditioned. What's up, everyone? Jason here for another episode of Strong AFX Well Conditioned. Thank you for joining me back. Today, we are talking about how to achieve MILF or DILF status. <laughs> Hard to say that without uh, laughing a little bit, but I think it's a very relevant conversation to have. I think a lot of people that um, that I tend to work with are, are in this position where they were former athletes. Maybe they got involved with CrossFit. They wanted to stay competitive. And, you know, Father time is not always kind. And if you're not in a position where you're focusing on your nutrition, you're focusing on your training, you're focusing on all the other things like stress management, then maybe you've had a decline over the last, say, decade. And uh, just to tell you guys a kind of a quick little backstory here, uh, myself personally, I was an athlete my whole life. I got into CrossFit after college and it was not only a way to stay competitive, which actually at the time I didn't know, but it was also uh, a way for me to learn more about conditioning. And prior to going to the military, I knew that conditioning really was an area of weakness for me. So I got involved with CrossFit mainly because I just didn't know a whole lot about conditioning um, as much as I did the strength side of things. And, um, you know, really this whole world opened up the competitive nature of it, the camaraderie, the community that you get at a gym. And um, for me, that that really started uh, the the process of starting to really combine a lot of strength training via the conjugate system, and then constructing that with with uh, you know aerobic development and, and things that uh, would actually happen later on. But early on, there was the the need and love for staying competitive, and even to this day, I'm still very competitive. I, um, I actually one of the things I miss the most about not doing CrossFit anymore is that aspect of it. So needless to say, like during that time, you know, as, as you progress from your twenties to thirties, you start to see that things happen with your body. I knew that in my twenties, I could basically eat healthy five days a week and eat whatever I wanted on the weekends. And it didn't, it had literally no impact on my body composition. I could still keep pushing forward and making improvements just by eating five days a week, you know, staying compliant. And I would even say that even some of those days during the week, I would fall off, but it was enough to move the needle for me then. Fast forward to my 30s, five days was not enough. Now, I had a whole host of things that that happened to my body hormonally after uh, going on a deployment and certainly made coming back from that a lot harder. I had a, a, pretty, a pretty significant amount of weight loss after a deployment I did. And um, there was a long process of getting back to where I once was thereafter. But what I will say, the biggest thing I noticed was that that old paradigm of just eating healthy Monday through Friday was no longer enough. What I also noticed was that the training, pushing, pushing, and pushing, and pushing started to take me backwards. So there are a lot of things that we see in our 30s, 40s that we don't necessarily see in our 20s. This is why people that come to me are usually like me. They've had that, that experience. They've had um, the time where they push themselves as hard as they could, where they've, they've been able to, to still make gains with maybe not having the uh, perfect eating plan laid out for them. And 
we get to that point where it just doesn't happen like that anymore. And that's just the reality of time. We get older, things change, our body changes, our hormones changes, our lifestyle changes. And we have to be receptive to that and start making adjustments to align with where we're currently at. So one of the chief complaints of a lot of people that I, I attract are not looking like they train, not going to the beach and for a guy taking off their shirt and being being 100% confident that other people will see them and say, that guy trains. So that's definitely a huge pain point. Now, we're not talking about people that need to have massive weight loss transformations here. We're talking about people that are otherwise relatively fit. You would never see them and say, oh, that person is severely out of shape. You would see them and say like, oh, that guy probably works out. Um, but it, it, it definitely wouldn't be, you know, in the sense that they're jacked or they're shredded or they're, wow, they're really fit. And um, I think that that is something that a lot of these folks do want to achieve. I know personally, that's uh, my goal is to is to uh, is to look the part. And um, again, it was always a lot easier for me in my 20s. It's got significantly harder now. And actually, this past year, um, I just turned 40 this past January. This past year is actually the best shape I've been in for a long time, probably since my 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 20s. And I, I really attribute that to that to a few things. So Without further ado, how do we achieve MILF or DILF status? Number one, we need to follow a well-constructed training plan. What is a well-constructed training plan? It is following something that is, is very much standard. It, it, doesn't, uh, it doesn't change too much from day to day. We don't do random workouts. We don't see a workout and say, oh, I'm going to do that. That's my training. A lot of people see workouts on Instagram, and that's what they do as their training plan. When you do that, you run into a whole host of issues like, overlap of, of movement patterns. You, you know, you could be working the same joints of the body on a day-to-day -day basis. A lot of times people are overworking the shoulder joint. Maybe they're overworking, um, the nervous system. Maybe there's too much stress in their training plan because they, they are not following a training plan. They're just doing workouts. So following a well-constructed training plan is, is important. Now there are tons of great coaches out there that you can get a well-constructed training plan from. I've talked about a lot, about a lot of coaches um, you know, people that come to mind are people, uh, guys like Joe DeFranco, Charlie Gould, um, you know, Chad Waterbury. There, there's a lot of great people out there. Meg Robertson, uh, Luca Hosever. I mean, there's a lot of good people that you can get good training plans from. And that is a training plan, not workouts. Now, what goes into a well-constructed training plan that ensures you are going to have success? You have to find something that aligns with you. And this is a simple example, but if you've only got four days a week to train, you're doing a body part split, it's probably not the right split. You need to find something that aligns with you. If you are only have three days a week to train, again, same thing. You're probably not going to fit into a bodybuilder type split. Um, on the other end of the spectrum, if you are someone that used to be a competitive CrossFitter and you no longer compete in CrossFit and you're following, you know, Rich Froning's training, probably not the right fit for you probably way too much, way too much intensity, way too much volume, and just way too many training sessions. So those are all things to consider. Those are the basic needs. The, your basic needs are finding a plan that aligns with your lifestyle. Your lifestyle is, you know, how many days a week do you can you devote to training? How many hours per week? Maybe it's not even how many days. Maybe, maybe it's how many hours. Sometimes we need to think about it even in a more simplistic way and kind of just um, narrowing it down to the actual time frame. That might be the best place to start. For myself, this past year, I switched to a full body split. 
And, you know, for, for a deck, two decades plus, I've been using the conjugate system and I've been used a lot of different variations of it. I've used a, a hybrid style conjugate split where we did, you know, uh, um, uh, two heavy days and a full body day. I've done it a lot of different ways and, um, a lot of them have been very successful, but I got to the place where I wanted more flexibility. I didn't want to be a sore. I didn't want to, you know, do a max effort, really anything. Um, I didn't want to build to a heavy lift anymore. I wanted to just move some heavy weights and across, you know, multiple sets and not have to worry about building and weight or not have to worry about going, you know, super fast or, or anything like that. So I just wanted to be more general and by being more general, using a different style of training, I have opened up a lot of new gains that I wasn't currently getting at the time when I switched to this. So that was a piece of my puzzle is switching to a new style of training. For me, it was full body training. Other aspect of that is low intensity aerobic conditioning. So a lot of times people will prioritize strength and hypertrophy work, and then conditioning is kind of an afterthought. When I switched to a full body split, I realized that I wanted to have more priority on my conditioning, and I wanted the ability to train as many days a week with my conditioning as I do with my strength. Tough to do on a conjugate split. A lot easier to do on a full body split. So that was another advantage for me. And then with that split came things like just basic foundational movement patterns, not going down the rabbit hole of exercise variation. You can go on Instagram right now and you can just find literally an endless supply of exercise selection. Do you need all of that? Do you need all of these bells and whistles? I know they look cool. They look sexy. And I, I'm t- I would be the first one to admit, I, I see some of the stuff and I'm like, oh, wow, I got to try that. And I will tell you that I have tried a lot of that stuff. And I can tell you that I, I get a few sets into it. I'm like, this is bullshit. Or, you know, it's, it's, again, that stuff is positioned to get likes. It's not actually positioned to be super effective. And I don't think that's the case for everyone, but I think it is the case a lot of times. So stick to the basics and do them incredibly well. You can load a split squat heavy. You can push the limits on a single arm dumbbell push press. You can do a lot of great things with your basic foundational movement patterns. You don't have to go down the rabbit hole. And then, you know, a really important piece of this puzzle too with those foundational movement patterns is prioritizing where you might be limited. So let's uh, let's talk about um, maybe you want some development of your calves. I know a lot of people, a lot of guys I, I uh, hear from hunt bigger calves or you know maybe it's more common like bigger biceps. Those are all relatively simple things to do, but you have to you have to make that a priority in your training, right? So if it's if it's bigger biceps, then you need to be loading your chin ups. You need to be performing heavy rows. You need to perform different variations of, of uh, you, you know, your your basic dumbbell curls, uh, seated incline dumbbell curls. Um, you need to train the biceps in a way that is going to align with a muscle fiber type. Biceps tend to be very fast switch muscle fiber. They work well with heavier loads and lower repetitions. Um, so make sure there's some variety there. So prioritizing where you're limited. Those are important things to do within that well-constructed training plan. And then you know, these are, these are all things that you can certainly use to drive yourself forward, but everything outside of the gym has to be in alignment with that. So if you're overly stressed out and you're on the super secret X CrossFit compete gymnastics wad, like go down the list of different variables with, with those things. If you're on some super, uh, intense program that is do having you do marathon training sessions and you're already chronically stressed out probably not the right fit. And 
I don't have to sit here and tell you that it's not the right fit. You probably already intuitively know that it's not the right fit. If you are sitting here listening to this and you're thinking, I feel like the program I'm on is not the right fit, it probably isn't. That's the first step to really internalizing whether or not what you're doing is the right thing. And, and if you don't get to that point, then maybe, maybe you are on a great training plan. Maybe you don't need to make any changes, but I think most people do get to that point at one point or another in their lives. I think that most people that are listening is probably say, yes, I remember when I was doing X, Y, and Z, and it was not the right fit for me. You know, things that were not the right fit were, you know, experimenting with high level Olympic lifting programs when I was in my twenties and just completely destroying myself doing programs I probably had no business doing. Um, so there are a lot of, of situations like that that you can probably recall and say, yeah, that probably wasn't the right fit for me. If you're at that place, then it's time to find something that is the right fit. I just listed off some great coaches that you can certainly look up. Of course, you can look up, um, you know, you can look into really any, any different style of training, maybe it's different than what you're doing and start moving the needle. Now, as I said before, your lifestyle outside of the gym clearly has to support what you're doing. If it does not, then it doesn't matter how great the training plan, how well constructed it is, you're not going to move forward. So you have to make sure that you are doing things that put you in the right headspace. And maybe it's as simple as doing more walking or getting outside more or, you know, uh, having more date nights with your wife whatever the case may be, all of those things are things that can mentally help put you in the right place where you're going to be more patient. You're going to be more willing to, to take the slow amount of time that it really takes to achieve MILF or DILF status. This stuff does not come overnight. If you're looking for a transformation, you should stop listening right now. This stuff takes time. I don't care what anyone says. The 90-day transformations, yes, they do happen. But we're not looking for 90 days. We're looking for peak sustainability. That's the best you can maintain forever. So the best you can sustain forever is different than what you can sustain for, let's say, just the summer. So that's what we want. And all these things, just to recap, follow a well-constructed training plan that aligns with your needs, your goals, and clearly fits into your life. If it doesn't fit into your life, then it's not the right fit. It needs to fit in. You shouldn't be trying to make concessions to get a training plan to fit your life. It should be the other way around. Number two, prioritize foundational movement patterns. Make that the staple of your training program. Again, you can go with variations to those squat, hinge, lunge, push, pull, carry, but you don't have to go crazy. You don't need hundreds of hundreds of hundreds of variations. And you can find those online and I get it. They're sexy and they're very enticing and you might want to try them. But know that the things that we know to be true are the foundational movement patterns. And time is finite. We don't have time to mess around. So what I would say is, if that's the case where you find yourself experimenting, you might just want to get on a program from someone else and not have to do the guesswork and have, uh, you know, have a professional coach do that for you. Now, if you're a coach yourself, then I understand the, the ability to want to experiment and find out what works. Number three, low intensity aerobic conditioning. This really is the most important thing of any training plan, in my opinion, because without a foundation in the, with the aerobic system, you can't do a whole lot more. You're going to be limited in terms of your work capacity, your ability to recover, your ability to handle stress in and outside of the gym. This really is the cornerstone. And, you know, I, I think that when I, when I talk to coaches, when they're not doing this, it leaves a lot to be desired. Now, a lot of times, people that are on a training program that just has strength and hypertrophy work, they will get bored from doing that. And conditioning is a nice bridge. It's a bridge in, in two ways. 
Mentally, it's a bridge because it's different than just doing strength and hypertrophy work. And then it's also a bridge because it allows us to have something done in between our main strength and hypertrophy sessions. So this is really an incredible way to do that, but also have the psychological advantage of giving people something that's a little bit different than what they're used to. So I think that your ability to recover, everything stems from the aerobic system, make that the priority. And if you've only got three days a week to train, you know, you might want to kind of think about where you need to go in terms of where your limitations are. If your stress is ultra high, your resting heart rate is, you know, above 70 for a guy above, um, you know, above 75 for a lady, then you might want to think about having more of a priority in your conditioning. On the other end of the spectrum, let's say your resting heart rate is low. Let's say you're in the 50s for a guy um, and a low 60s for a lady, then you might want to prioritize more strength and hypertrophy work. You can certainly ebb and flow these qualities of fitness and make sure that, you know, you are, are in alignment with where your goals are and where you want to go. So those are things to really con consider and make sure that every program that you're on should have some level of this. And the last piece is just prioritize your, your limitations. Um, if you've got a uh, weak glutes or you've got a weak upper back, or if you, you know, want to add muscle to your biceps or your calves, these are things that you can prioritize within that training plan. And it might be, it might be as simple as, again, just doing some additional, additional work, um, within that training plan. It doesn't have to be outside of it. It can be within that training plan. So again, lot to think about there as far as prioritization of, of where you might be most limited. Um, but a little bit goes a long way. And I would say that as a whole, most people are limited by stress, by their lifestyle. And a, 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 what's a great way to fix that? Do more things that are mentally, that restore your mind, uh, like walking. Um, increasing st steps is a great way to do that. I don't use steps for fat loss. I know there are people that say it's fat loss or it's conditioning. It's not conditioning. It's not gonna get your heart rate hard, high enough for conditioning, but it is a great way to just kind of restore the mind and to allow you to just be more mentally present in your life. That is something I would highly recommend. So again, achieving MILF and DILF status is, is uh, not particularly hard if you have all those things laid out. But the last most important piece of the puzzle is clearly your nutrition. And I don't talk about nutrition, I kind of stay away from nutrition. But if you are like me, and you're above 40 years of age, and I would say, even if you're not above 40 years of age, you would still want to do this is make your nutrition a staple with regards to how compliant you are. I think the magic rule of thumb is 90% for someone that is older. Um, in your 20s, it's different. You know that. In your 30s, it starts to decline. In your 40s, you know, I'm only 40, so I really can't comment yet, but I will tell you that even in my late 30s um, is when I noticed that 80% compliance was not enough. 90% seemed to be the thing that moved the needle. And if you could stay compliant on the weekends, I always say to my, my uh, people in my Facebook group is that weekends are what separate the winners because weekends are so easy to go off the rails with your eating. And it can really derail your progress. It can make the biggest difference. So stay compliant, have things within reason, but allow for that 10% of deviation, but stay on track 90% of the time. And if you can follow something like a macro-based based approach, which I think is very, very effective and a very easy way to make your diet sustainable, is include things that you enjoy eating, but account for it in your day. So if you're allowed 80 grams of fat, account for that in your day. If you're allowed 200 grams of protein, account for that in your day. So you can still hit your numbers, but have things that you enjoy having. So I think that those are really uh, four important things as far as the training is concerned. 
And then clearly the nutrition piece needs to be a mainstay with all of this. None of this goes, anytime I talk about any of this stuff, just know that I am also assuming that your nutrition is on point, you're doing the right things there. And if I had to just kind of be more general, I would say 90% of the time, hit your numbers and allow for 10% deviation and you'll be good to go. Hope that helps guys. See you on the next show. This was another episode of Strong AF X Well Conditioned Show. Tune in every Wednesday for new episodes and be sure to subscribe on all podcast platforms. 